The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live. It's game day, Saturday, April 15th, game one, Hawks Celtics up in the garden is today, 3.30 Eastern time. I'm recording this around 12.30, so just a few hours before tip-off, I wanted to give you a pre-game and also kind of look ahead to the series versus your Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. So this episode is really going to just set the stage for today, for the series. I'm going to give my keys for today and beyond um, because it's no secret. The Hawks are the underdog. The odds are stacked against them, but it's nothing new. The odds are stacked against them in Miami, and they took care of business. Some people call it luck. Some people say, well, Miami didn't do this, didn't do that. Yeah, they didn't do this, they didn't do that in a game that they needed. And now they're the eighth seed while your Atlanta Hawks are the seventh seed. So and there's going to be a lot of people who, who are trying to take away some of the good things that Atlanta did to win in Miami. That just comes with the territory of them being overlooked, and rightfully so. I mean, 500 team, mid we know the storylines. We know how they've played this year, regardless who's been at the helm coaching-wise. And right now, it's about playing your best basketball, taking it a game at a time, and doing whatever it takes, giving your all that night or that day, in this case, to win the ball game. And you guys who have probably followed me the last few years, you know what I always say about game one of any playoff series. Game one is the fill-em-out series. Yeah, you may have played that team in the regular season a few times, but playoffs is different. So game one is more so you just go whoever plays hard, whoever executes the most, is probably going to be the team that wins game one. That's usually what happens. And that happens because you're just filling the other team out. It's like the first round of a boxing match. You're getting a feel for the opponent, seeing how they're going to attack you, how you're going to attack them, the spacing in between. You know, are they more defensive? Are they being aggressive? So then you build your game plan. You have a game plan coming in, but you build your game plan round around as you adjust to the conditions within the ring and what your fighter that you're going against is bringing to the table. And there, there's no difference in this series or in any series in the playoffs. That's the luxury of having at least seven games to see who is going to move on. And certainly Boston will have the advantage. They are the better roster. They obviously have the second best record in the Eastern Conference. They were in the NBA Finals last year. They're defending Eastern Conference champions. And... There's a lot of people who are overlooking the Boston Celtics. And I think that motivates them to get back 
to the NBA Finals. Obviously, they got to the NBA Finals, they lost. They got a taste of it. Certainly, that should motivate you to get back. And like I said, there's a lot of people who are more focused on Philadelphia and uh, MVP likely Joel Embiid and how they've performed this year. Certainly, they've had a great year. A lot of people are focused on what Giannis, Drew Holiday, and them are doing up in Milwaukee. Uh, Both of them are rightfully deserving and getting a lot of nods as far as being favorites to make it out of the Eastern Conference. A lot of people are focused on the compelling stories that are the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they are compelling stories. But it seems that the Boston Celtics are almost a forgotten team at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. And that's a very dangerous thing for the league to do. Just to add motivation and fuel to a team that is already a really good team offensively and defensively. We're going to talk about those numbers here in a bit. And also, when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks with the injury to Chris Middleton, I think the Boston Celtics see their path to the NBA Finals. I think if you're the Boston Celtics, and this is no slight against your Atlanta Hawks, you're probably a little more excited that you drew the Atlanta Hawks instead of the Miami Heat round one. That's just a fact. Um, Like I said, there's no disrespect. But if you put yourself in their shoes, they would probably more likely rather see your Atlanta Hawks than the Miami Heat. But in that same breath, Boston has to go through your Atlanta Hawks to get to where they want to go. And it's going to be a tall order for the Atlanta Hawks. No doubt about it. I mean, when you look at the season series, Boston swept it three games and none. And according to Pete Street Hoops, since the 2017-2018 NBA season, your Atlanta Hawks are 4-15 against the Boston Celtics. So not a lot of recent success against the Celtics, which further stacks the odds against you. During the regular season matchups, excluding the last game of the season where both teams rested their star players and key players, when you just look at the two games where Atlanta and Boston both had everybody help, help relatively healthy who, for those games, and they played each other, and as a reminder, this was earlier in the season, the Hawks were outscored in those two contests against the Boston Celtics on an average of 17 points. They allowed the Celtics to shoot just under 55% from the floor and just under 47% from three. And they moved the ball around very well offensively. They averaged a staggering 32 assists in both of those contests. If you want to simply put it, the Hawks have to play much better defense to get themselves a chance in this series. They have to defend, especially the three-point line. They have to defend. The, uh, the Celtics were second in the NBA this year in three-pointers made per game. They made 16 per game this year. If the Hawks can limit the number of threes made from the Boston Celtics, and even in that contest, the throwaway contest, the last game of the season, the Celtics bench and role players made 25 threes against the Atlanta Hawks. So certainly guarding the three-point line is a point of emphasis, and Quinn Snyder is on it. He knows. He knows. He's not dumb. He knows his team. He's been here long enough to gauge the landscape and know 
what his team can and can't do. And he knows NBA basketball. He knows what the Celtics are to know what you can and can't do in order to try to win a game one, let alone a playoff series against a team like the Boston Celtics. But if you can limit the number of threes, it can go a long way in trying to upset the Celtics. Like I said, the game one will be a fill out game. And if you're the Atlanta Hawks, without the Celtics having a true game plan, and they've had time, they probably have a game plan coming in. But as far as not really knowing what Atlanta is going to do, because they could change some things up, they've had some time to rest and watch game film and maybe get some practices in to figure out a plan of attack for the Celtics that they may have not seen in that last regular season game or those two other contests they played against the Celtics early in the season. So the element of surprise and the element of the Hawks playing a game more recent than the Celtics, and that's going to, I think, play a factor in the Milwaukee-Miami game on Sunday. But it's crucial for the Hawks to try to steal game one. You steal game one in Boston, and then you come back to Atlanta, where the Celtics have had success, but stealing game one certainly will make things interesting in this series. It won't go, it won't be a sweep if you can take game one. It won't be a sweep. And if you can win one one of the games at home. Now you're looking at a 2-2 tie going back to Boston. And now it's guaranteed to go at least six. And you're giving yourself a chance. So today's game, as I said, 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN, is going to be crucial for the Hawks. And I expect the Garden to be ruckus. It's always a very tough place to play. No matter if Boston is really good or if they're doo-doo. That's a, a home court advantage in Boston. So, this is a pregame episode, a pre-series episode. I'm going to talk about some keys. If the Hawks are going to pull off this upset, I think today they are a 10-point underdog today. So, certainly... A lot of money is going towards Boston, and rightfully so. I mean, we should not be offended by the fact that everyone thinks the Boston Celtics are going to win. It's a 2-7 matchup. Twos win more than sevens. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but if we went back in history, I don't know how many times a seven seed has beat a two seed in the first round of the NBA playoffs. But it's probably far few. But... Like I said, it, you're, you're, you're not looking at the mountain as a whole. You're focused on this first trail, which is game one. So I'm going to take a quick break now that we set the stage. When we come back, we're going to talk about keys to winning game one and having series success for the Atlanta Hawks. So as always, we'll be back after this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little Fantasy Hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. 
So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Keys to winning game one up in Boston. Number one, I talked about it before the short break. Hawks have to defend the three-point line have to defend the three-point line. As I said before, the Celtics were the second-best three-point shooting team in the NBA. In the contest where the Hawks played the Celtics this year, as I said before, the Celtics shot just under 47% from three and made an alarming, on average, 20 and a half threes in the two contests earlier in the season. And as I said, the last game with the reserves and bench players made 25 threes. So the Hawks have led up north of 20 threes, well, in at least two or three contests. You have to defend the three-point line. You have to defend the three-point line if you're going to give yourself a chance in this series. And when you look at the Hawks defensively this season, Guarding the three-point line, they are ranked middle of the pack in guarding the three-point line. As far as opponents' three-pointers allowed, the Hawks were in the top 10. They allowed their opponents to make just under 12 threes a game. That's good for eighth in the NBA. That's good. Three-pointers attempt, 33 and a half, good for 16th. And three-point shooting percentage for the opponents, around 35.6%. That's 10th in the NBA. So, contrary to popular belief, the Hawks are not terrible at guarding the three-point line. But when it comes to the Celtics and their ball movement and the multiple ways that they can attack you offensively, the Hawks struggle defensively against the Celtics and have let up an alarming number of threes. That cannot happen in game one and in this series if the Hawks are going to have to have a chance. Going in line with that, another key is they have to communicate defensively. You have to communicate on switches. You have to stay connected and focused for four quarters. You must limit the defensive lapses because the Celtics, like the Hawks, are one of the better offensive teams in the NBA. I talked about their numbers, but offensive rating-wise, the Boston Celtics, they were number one for a lot of stretches of the year. They closed the season as the second-rated offensive team in the NBA this year, while your Atlanta Hawks are the seventh-rated offensive team in the NBA this year. 
You have to communicate. You have to stay connected. You have to stay focused. You have to execute the game plan that Quinn Snyder and his staff sets forth for you if you're the Atlanta Hawks because you cannot give them easy opportunities. Great offensive teams, you cannot give them even uh, easy opportunities. You cannot have lapses because if they're getting easy opportunities and they're, you're not making them work for their offensive opportunities, you're setting yourself up for a long day in a short series. I repeat. If you give them easy opportunities, you're setting it up for yourself to have a long day against that team defending, and you're setting yourself up to a shorter series, and your vacation plans for the offseason are going to come sooner rather than later. And as a professional, I'm sure that you want to play basketball as long as you can before you have to hang your, your shoes up for the season and go about your different ways before coming back for training camp. So have to communicate on defense, have to execute on a defensive end at a high level consistently, consistently limit those defensive lapses. And they talked to Quinn Snyder and he was talking about the, the things that Boston does well offensively. He said, Hey, they can do, they do a lot. Basically they do a lot. Snyder talked about how they can attack you in transition. So the Hawks must limit transition opportunities and that goes to what they must do offensively, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Boston can run multiple actions, screening actions, pick and roll, isolation. They shoot the three ball well. They are a balanced offensive team scheme-wise, and they can attack you in multiple ways, which will further stress your defense because at any given moment when you set your defense up, you could be guarding something completely different than you did the possession before, which goes back to, how well they prepare, how well they, how well they communicate, and how well they execute the game plan and their communication skills possession by possession, especially if it's in a tight game in the fourth quarter. You have to focus in and hone in on that possession and play that possession like it's the last possession of the game. You have to continue to do that. When obviously referring back to obviously you guys know I'm an LSU fan and um, the national championship run this year for the women women uh, basketball team. The keys for Ken Mulkey championship teams are usually defense and rebounding. And for a lot of people who may not have watched the game because a lot of people were more focused on Caitlin Clark and South Carolina and rightfully so, but. In the game versus Virginia Tech, they were down double digits going into the fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter, Kim Mulkey pulled the girls together and said, hey, it's 10 minutes left in the game, but you cannot play like there's 10 minutes left in the game. You have to play like there is two minutes left, and this is the last game that you'll ever play. That's the sense of urgency that you must play with in order to win a championship and to win this contest today. And what did they do? They honed in. Next thing you know, they go on a large run, a 15-4 run to take the lead and ultimately close out that Final Four game, the national semifinal game, to get to the opportunity to play Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes, which obviously ended up winning that game, and now they're the national champions in year two in Baton Rouge. So shout out to them. But going back to the Hawks, that's the type of urgency you have to play with defensively. You have to play with that type of urgency. It's playoffs. 
You can't rest on laurels. You cannot think, oh, we got them next time, next possession. You got to play this possession like it is the end-all, be-all. And that sense of urgency has lacked at times for this Atlanta Hawks team. We saw it in Miami. You see it in spells down the stretch. But you have to do it consistently for four quarters. That's easier said than done. That's hard. That's conditioning. That's mental focus. That's mental fortitude. That's trusting your teammates. That's repetition. There's a lot of things that go into the to that to make that work and to make it consistent. And maybe that may be more consistent when Quinn Snyder has a full summer in a training camp to implement things and change the culture to his liking and get his staff together. But that's for tomorrow. This is for today, for this series, in this in the in this moment, that's what the Atlanta Hawks must do. Another key defensively, they must disrupt the passing lanes. Boston moves the ball re- really well. They are one of the higher assist number teams in the NBA. The Hawks must get steals. Not a ton of steals, but they have to force some turnovers, steal the ball. They have to get into them defensively, using their hands, using their body, you know, make the Celtics work to find passing lanes. Don't sag off and let them just read and react. You have to challenge them defensively. Get into passing lanes. Uh, maybe not take too many gambles defensively because obviously that can eat to lead to easy opportunities, but take opportunities when they're given to you. Make it hard on them to even get the ball out of their hands and to find an open guy. And that goes back to obviously the defender as well. Deny the ball, stay attached, be engaged. They have to force some turnovers. Boston is a top 10 team as far as taking care of the ball this year. So we're asking the Hawks to do something that Boston does not do characteristically, turn over the ball. So that's easier said than done. That's going to be a key. If they can do that in this series, and most importantly in game one, you set yourselves up for what's to come. This goes without saying, the Hawks have to shoot better from three this series. They are too hit or miss. They're shooting more three balls now, now that Quinn Snyder's here. Marginal number, but they're shooting more threes, less mid-range shots. They have to execute on three. They won in spite of shooting 24% from three in Miami. You can't shoot 24% from three in each game this series and expect to win. You shoot 24% from three, going against a team that is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA, you're going to get rolled out of the gym. Have to knock down some outside shots if you're the Atlanta Hawks. Another key is ball movement. You have to attack offensively if you're the Hawks with all the players that you have on the court. It can't just be Trey Young. It can't just be Trey and Murray. It can't just be Trey, Murray, and Bogey. Everyone has to be a threat offensively. You have to make a really good defensive team in the Boston Celtics work to guard everyone. Guard everyone. Move the ball. Don't let them just guard the two players in the main action. There has to be movement. Everyone must be accounted for so that it opens up opportunities for you as a good offensive team in the Atlanta Hawks to attack or maybe get a clean look. When the ball does not move for the Atlanta Hawks, and you guys have watched games and seen time and time again, when the ball does not move and when there's more dribbling and passing, 
the offense gets stagnant and a lot more predictable, which makes things easier on the defensive end. And next thing you know, you're forcing tough shots. They get a long rebound. Now they're in transition. Or they force a turnover. Shot clock violation. You have to move the ball. Have to move the ball. And then look for the best shot offensively within that set or with, with what the defense is giving you. Boston is third in the league in defensive efficiency this year. So they are a true two-way team. And in order to attack them, the, the next thing, as I said, must occur. And I, I alluded to a balanced offensive attack. Like I said, one positive for the Hawks is that although Boston's great defensively, they do not force a lot of turnovers and the Hawks do not commit a lot of turnovers. So limit your turnovers means you're limiting opportunities to beat yourself. Because if they just beat you flat out and you've done everything right, you can hang your head high. I'm not saying moral victories. I'm not talking moral victories. I'm just saying you can't beat yourself. You can't turn the ball over. That is something the Hawks typically do. They take care of the ball, and Boston does not force a lot of turnovers. So don't let that be a factor if you're the Atlanta Hawks. Move the ball and have a balanced scoring attack. Everyone must contribute. It can't just be Trey. It can't just be DeJounte. Hunter has to step up in moments. Bogey has to knock down some shots. Bay has to knock down some shots. Capella, when you have your pit blacks, put them up. Execute. Easier said than done to going against the front court in the Boston Celtics, especially Robert Williams, who was actually healthy in this series. But John Collins, knock down your threes. If John Collins has a mismatch, give him the ball. Let him work. That's something else for the Boston Celtics defense to account for. Jalen Johnson, when you get in the game, or Congo, when you get in the game, if A.J. Griffin does get in the game, have to take advantage of opportunities given to you, have to make the Boston Celtics guard everyone on this team. This is a good offensive team in the Atlanta Hawks. They're not a great defensive team, so defense was the first thing I talked about as far as keys, but offensively, attack as a team, can lift each other up when you can. As far as if one player is slacking, you got to be the one to step up, next man up mentality. And even though I said it has to be a balanced scoring attack, Trey has to be efficient but yet aggressive. Have to be efficient yet aggressive. Trey has played well against Boston this year number-wise, despite losing efforts. He's played well against Boston. But it can't just be him. He has to limit turnovers. He has to get everybody else involved early to get them in rhythm. I would love to see that early in the game today. See if he's getting everybody in rhythm and if they're knocking shots. And then all of a sudden, they're guarding other people who are getting it going. And now it opens up Trey Young to hit his floater. Get a clean three-point look off. Maybe a jump shot. Get to the basket. Get to the free throw line. Get people involved early. And if you have a good look, take it and make the defense pay for it. I know they have Marcus Smart on the other side. Brockton's not bad defensively. Derek White competes on the defensive end. It's hard to guard Trey Young. Trey Young has to make them work. And that is accounting for his passing and his scoring. Rebounding, another key. 
Boston's a top 10 team rebounding, but they struggle in offensive rebounding. So, if you're the Hawks, have to crash the glass if you're the front court. Everybody must chip in. Hunter, Murray, Trey, who had some rebounds last game. I mean, obviously they had 63 rebounds as a team last game. That is an anomaly, but certainly there was a commitment to crashing the glass for the Atlanta Hawks. They must carry that commitment over against the Boston Celtics. It can't just be Capella. can't just be Collins. can't just be Okongwu. Robert Williams is a menace. Horford can get his. Tatum and Brown like to get up in there so they can start the break. Derek White's not a bad rebounder. Grant Williams, I mean, this is a great rebounding team, as I said. So the Hawks must carry that focus over there, too. Um, offensively, the Hawks have to attack. Like I said, they're not the greatest three-point shooting team. They're going to need some outside shots to fall. But they got to continue to attack the basket as well and get to the free throw line. The Hawks are a middle-of-the-road team in the NBA getting to the free throw line um, because the Hawks have a lot of people who like to, to hit jump shots. So we're asking them to do something that is somewhat out of character, but they have to attack. They have to get to the free throw line. Get some key players for Boston in foul trouble. Get some free points at the charity stripe. You know when they get to the free throw line, the Hawks are usually a pretty good free throw shooting team. One of the better ones in the NBA. This is going to be vital, especially if the three-point shot is not falling. If they can get to the free throw line and get some easy baskets, if they're the deficit, that will help keep them in the game. Keep them in the game. Get some key people off the court for Boston. Get them in foul trouble. Attack when needed. Your bench has to come through again. That's another key. Both teams are good bench teams. And both will play a pivotal role in this series. The Hawks bench had 53 points against the uh, Miami Heat last game. And everybody on the bench was in double digits. That's not realistic to expect every night. But they must produce and be productive when they are in the game. Especially on the road in Boston. When they're, when they're in the game... Because you already know Hawks are going to get some bad breaks. There's going to be some bad fouls called. It's going to have some people come on the court a little bit earlier than their normal rotation time. It has to be next man up. If the bench can be productive, it can help neutralize that ruckus crowd up in Boston who are going to be very excited for playoff basketball. But certainly, if you can be productive and your bench can come through and outperform their bench or... Maybe it's not outperform them scoring-wise. If they can out-hustle them, bring a lot of energy. If they can do that, they can give themselves a chance. The bench who touts themselves as the best bench in the NBA, they're a really good bench. They're going to have to prove it against this Boston Celtics team that's pretty deep too. Our front court must outplay their front court. First off, we're going to have to outplay the Boston Celtics to win this series and win this game anyway. But it's going to be a challenge. Our front court has to bring it on a glass, scoring defensively. They have to outwork the bigs for the Boston Celtics. And when I say our front court and our bigs, I'm saying Collins, Capella, Okongu, and Jalen Johnson. They're going to have to bring it. They're going to have Hunter chip in and Bay chip in. 
But Collins, Capella, Okongwu, and Johnson, they're going to have to be ready for war. They're going to have to be ready for war. Battling for positioning, scoring, defending them, making them work, trying to neutralize, not let the front court be the reason that they beat you. They're going to have the work cut out for them. As far as the Boston Celtics are concerned, if you're the Atlanta Hawks and one of their two stars are going, has to be Tatum, has to be Brown. Can't be both. Keep an eye out for Derek White, Brogdon too. I'm going to say that now. Brogdon and Derek White are going to be some keys in this series, especially um, contributing. They're, those are really good players too. And, they, and they've had really good seasons for the Boston Celtics. So we have to account for them as well. But... You can't have Tatum and Brown going off. If Tatum and Brown are going off in the same game, you might as well pack it up. Pack it up. Make it be one or the other. Challenge them defensively. That's going to be, as I'm going to say in the next point, Jalen Johnson is going to play a big key this, this series defensively. If he can stay out of foul trouble and challenge Tatum and Brown with his athleticism, size, and his length, it could help. But certainly... You can't have them both go off. You can't have them both go off. Make it be someone else. Make it be smart. Make it be Grant Williams. Hauser. You don't want any of them going off, but hey, if you have both Tatum and Brown going off, it's going to be a long day. Long day. And as I wrap this up, like I said, X factors in the series. I mentioned Jalen Johnson already. He's going to be key. He's been big down the stretch, beginning a lot of clock since Quinn Snyder has been um, at the helm. He likes what Jalen Johnson provides. And obviously us as Hawks listeners, supporters, people who cover them, we like what Jalen Johnson provides. He's going to need to bring it this series. He did not play last year in the playoffs. This is going to be truly his first taste of playoff basketball. He just has to play his role. Not ask too much of him. Just go out there, defend, rebound, make the right play, score when needed, especially in transition, and just play your game that you've been playing the last month and a half of the season if you're Jalen Johnson. Another X factor, I'm putting them together, and I will because of their shooting ability. Bogey and Bay. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey's shot-making will be pivotal. Have to knock down shots off the bench for you. Have to. That will provide a spark for this team offensively. And if they're sparked offensively, they defend a little bit better. Because they're feeling a little bit better about themselves. Bogey and Bay, if they can get you some three-point shooting to match... And hopefully outperform their bench's three-point shooting. That could be a big key in today's game. And I'll, back to Jalen Johnson, I'm interested to see how they use Jalen Johnson in game one. Who his primary uh, defense assignment is. When do they bring him in. How many minutes he gets. And how Quinn Snyder intends to use him this series. 
I think it's going to be primarily guarding Tatum. But that's why we play the game. Last thing, I want Murray and Hunter to set the tone for the series. They must each be consistent two-way players this series. We know they can both defend. We know Hunter can get you 16, 17 points. And we know what DeJounte Murray can do. Offensively against the Celtics this year, Murray averaged 16.5 points per game. Shot just under 46% from the floor. Hunter averaged around 14 points per game. Averaged about 47% from the floor. They're going to have tough assignments defensively. But if you're Murray and you're Hunter, you got to be consistent on both ends. If Murray is averaging 16.5 points per game in this series, we're not winning this series. Murray has to up his game offensively. He's going to have to attack. He's going to need to get to the free throw line. And then when needed, knock down some outside shots as well. If you're Hunter, you're going to have to do the same thing. Attack. Get into the mid-range. I know you like that mid-range jumper. Still shoot it because about 12 feet out and in, you could be money. You're going to need to score more than 14 points per game, in my opinion. If Hunter's scoring 16.5 points per game, in this series, that's really good in my opinion. That's what I'm shooting for. Can, if you're Hunter, can you average about 16 and a half? And if you're Murray, I'm going to need you around 20, maybe 21. The field goal percentages aren't bad, but Murray gets you to about 48. Hunter, if you're shooting more mid-ranges and being a little more efficient beyond three, can you get to 49%? A couple percentage points higher. Murray has to score around 20 points per game, if not north of that. Hunter, can you give me 16 and a half? But you got to set the tone game one. I'm excited to see how they're going to come out and attack. So a lot of keys because, like I said, it's a tall task for the Atlanta Hawks. And they must set the tone game one, defensively guarding the three, rebounding, moving the ball, and being balanced in the offensive end. Those are the main takeaways. Everything I said in this podcast is valid. But those are the main takeaways and the things that I'm going to be looking for in game one, which is right now a little over two hours away from tip-off right now. So pre-game, pre-series episode. Wanted to get this out to you. You can check it out before the game, preferably. If not, check it out after. Compare it to how they played. And then look for things throughout the series to see what adjustments does Hawks make after game one? It's about who plays the hardest and who executes the most game one. The fill them out game, round one. Bring your stuff round one, Hawks, and then see what they're going to bring to the table, how they're going to attack you, and adjust for game two. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars, give it a good review, share and tell everybody about the best podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks out there. Um, you know the drill. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks. And then follow myself at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T 67. Celtics Hawks. 3.30 today. Eastern Time ESPN. Game one in the garden. Are you going to set the tone, Atlanta? Are you going to set the tone?